discrimination in sounds built to stimulate around the eyes. Greatest and greatest wellness trends, treatments, and experience. Work that Magnesium is naturally found in foods like. This is the Well and Good podcast. Tune in to find the wellness that fits your frequency. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When do you feel the most empowered to make decisions when it comes to your health? And what tools do you use to help you gather information about your body? I'm director of podcast Taylor Camille, and at Well and Good, we spend a lot of time scouring the latest health tech, trying out all the wearables we can get our hands on. But as we look at the larger picture of women's health, there are so many ways in which women have been overlooked, underserved, and dismissed when it comes to their bodies and their health. Companies like Aura are working to give women back some of the power. With valuable data backed by research and studies that help women get to know themselves better, take care of themselves better, and listen to their bodies. Today, we're in conversation with Aura's product managers, including lead clinical research scientist Dr. Netta Gottlieb and their science communications lead Caroline Kreider to understand how advancements in technology are helping women in particular form a better understanding of our menstrual cycles, our sleep cycles, and be better equipped to speak confidently about our health. I'm Caroline Kreider, and I'm a product manager for our reproductive health squad. So I spend my day building products for women, uh, but mainly focused on fertility. So women who are interested in becoming pregnant, trying to become pregnant, or they're interested in birth control or tracking their menstrual cycle, either for their period or some of the lifestyle changes that they might want to make. I'm Netta. I'm also a product manager focusing on women's health and reproductive health, working very closely with Caroline um, and focusing mainly on pregnancy and menopause. Um, and, and yes, my previous role at Aura was as a scientist studying reproductive health. And that's, that's that and my personal experience and research experience is what brought me here. Um, so really excited to talk with you about that as well. 
Yes, we're really excited too. We have a lot of Aura fans in our offices, a lot of Tracker fans, but I wanted to know, you know, what influenced the decision to expand Aura's capabilities to include women's health concerns? Um, And what kind of gaps were you hoping to address as you pursued this? So, you know, we have about 50% of our users are are women um, and having this rich physiological data is it's just not something we can ignore right um we have also women employees who are very passionate about this space and we're all like you see our rings we all owners as well as members and it's it's such a, a powerful tool that can offer so many insights um on our overall health and our reproductive health um, and we saw that in our research that we've been doing with some of, of the um, UCSF and UC Berkeley and UCSD, we, we saw the findings that we see in our research are so powerful um, that can really help women better understand their bodies. So that's one part of it. And then another component is the natural cycles partnership, which I will let Caroline talk about. Yeah, I would say, Taylor, a couple of years ago, Everyone started paying a lot more attention to temperature. Certain thing called COVID popped out there, and it meant that a lot of us internally were looking at temperature patterns. We were looking for patterns of fever, signs of illness, signs of, I don't know, anything interesting that we could see. And those patterns started popping up again and again and again for reproductive hormones. So seeing what estrogen was doing, progesterone, these hormones that drive the menstrual cycle signs of ovulation, signs of pregnancy. So what you're seeing over the past couple of years is that emphasis on temperature has led us in a few directions. We launched our first reproductive health feature, period prediction, that uses that natural temperature pattern to say, hey, here's when your period's going to be, and here's how those predictions might adjust. We launched the pregnancy study that Netta mentioned to say, hmm, we might be able to pick up on pregnancy a lot earlier than you might think. And then more recently in the past year, we launched our FDA cleared product with natural cycles. So they happen to have an algorithm that can tell you, hey, here's how to use your temperature patterns for birth control. Here's how to use them for fertility. And so what, if any, limitations do we have? Like, what are we still trying to track or what's kind of off the limits for tracking? I would say nothing's off limits at the moment. And women want to track a lot of things. One of the biggest limitations, honestly, Taylor, that we run into is the education gap. So women are coming to us and we happen to know one in 10 women has trouble identifying a diagram of the reproductive health system. We wanna toss out all of these terms that might empower women like follicular, luteal, these different sections of your reproductive health cycle. Most women have never heard of them because sex ed pretty much stopped at, you have a period, you're gonna bleed, here are some negative aspects of your cycle, So what we're trying to do is really move women into, hey, here's everything else that your menstrual cycle does. It's not just your reproductive organs, it's your whole body. And if you have a tool like an aura ring, you can see how these different patterns in your hormones impact your sleep. They impact your heart. They impact your lungs. And so a lot of this tracking information is just new in general to women. And the biggest hurdle that we're overcoming is, introducing it to them in a meaningful way to say, hey, we're not just going to overwhelm you with data, but we might need to go back to some basic sex ed 101 things that you weren't told about, like 
A good example would be most people are taught that their menstrual cycle is 28 days. Hmm. That's one definition of normal. And we can see in our data and just women sharing their experiences that a normal cycle can be short, can be long, it can be variable. So we're trying to move the data into a conversation of figure out what's normal for you and learn that much more about your menstrual cycle. Yeah, absolutely. Dr. Netta, do you have anything to add? I think one of the challenges that I keep thinking about is, you know, I, I keep seeing the potential that we have from, from also from the scientific perspective and um, making all of these hypotheses based on the potential of the data that we have. I think we can learn so much about reproductive health, about, you know, fertility and pregnancy and postpartum and reproductive aging that is currently unknown. Mm-hmm. So, um, as a wearable, you know, we, we keep, we always compare ourselves, um, to a ground truth. What does, um, sleep look like? Um, what does a heart rate look like? Where's our ground truth? And in reproductive health, the ground truth isn't always known. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a lot of discovery that needs to be made first mm-hmm. to establish these, what are the physiological patterns that, that we even see during these specific periods that they have never been studied. So to provide these, these insights to an individual, we, also, we need to establish that foundational framework first. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think then it's something that we will not only need to educate the, the individuals, but also, you know, healthcare providers. Um, so there's, there's a long way to go. Um, but a very exciting one. And something that came up in our conversations at Well and Good and as we look at wearables and tracking is obviously the political climate, which seems to be uh, at war with women. And so there's obviously a lot at stake. And so one of your perspective on what the responsibility is at Aura and for tech companies similar to Aura for protecting their users and having their users' best interests and how does that come into the data that you guys are collecting? It comes up every day here, more so now than ever. I think we have a couple benefits. Um, One is we're founded in Europe, Mm. which means that privacy has been, you know, just absolutely paramount to the structure of Aura from the very beginning. So user privacy, user data, we follow both U.S. and European regulations, which means data is really, really tight. Um, Mm -hmm. It also means that, you know, the way that we're looking at data right now as much as we can protect user data, that is so, so important, but it's also the element of getting that data into women's hands. So they have the, you know, information to make decisions about their body and care for them themselves. So we get questions from users all the time about, you know, how is the data that I'm tracking in my app stored and protected? Mm-hmm. One of the most beautiful things that we can say back to them is we don't need to sell your data. Yeah. We have a subscription fee. Like that, <laughs> yeah. that fee is paying for the innovation and the business and moving our features and productivity forward. What we have done is in a few instances, we've explicitly asked women to share their data with us for scientific research. Mm-hmm. So we had a UCSD uh, pregnancy study that we launched within our app. And in that case, what we're able to do is we're able to say, you know, for everybody who's had a pregnancy and wants to opt in to sharing additional information and experience, here's how that data would be used. We're hoping to give those insights and features back to you. Mm-hmm. So there's sort of this 
privacy element built in not only to the architecture, but in the way that we interact with users and ask them what they want next. Right. So we're definitely seeing a lot of people be more cautious about the apps that they're using, but we're able to reassure them that not only do we not need to sell their data, but we're specifically asking them each time they want to share more information to opt into that higher level of, of sharing and security. Yeah. I wanted to get into some of the sleep conversation. Um, I know Aura kind of started tracking with sleep. So what are the common sleep issues that users are reporting and what do the sleep studies look like at Aura? Yeah, I'm curious, um, you know, you might hear this from some of your coworkers, but the number one insight that we hear is the impact of alcohol. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people get the ring, they're feeling good, (laughs) and then they have one night out on a social occasion, (laughs) and the next day they just get whacked. Their readiness score is down, their sleep score is down. You know, they're looking at their phone for, what did I do last night? Yeah. And then they get the prompt from us saying, there are certain things that might elevate your heart rate and cause your sleep to be different, like a late meal or alcohol. (laughs) And for a lot of people, what it gives them is sort of this new discovery of maybe the glass of wine that they were having, that yes, it was helping them fall asleep, but the quality of their sleep was completely different. Right. And that's one of the major, major sleep experiments that we hear people undergo that changes their behavior. We hear from people all the time, oh, you know, you guys completely changed the way that I go out on the weekends, that I'm, I'm done drinking by 6.30 p.m. or 7, or, you know, I've, I've switched to some of the non-alcoholic alternatives. I'm a mocktail fiend. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's a really big one. The other one that we hear a lot is that people think that they're surviving on six hours of sleep or this limited time period because they've only ever measured the amount of time that their head was on the pillow. Right. But once they see the breakdown of sleep stages, are you getting enough light sleep, REM sleep, deep sleep? That's this damning moment for a lot of people where REM, which is really great for rejuvenating your brain, all of those systems, it tends to occur at the later half of the night. And so if you cut your sleep short, you cut short your REM disproportionately. Mm -hmm. And so we hear a lot of people having that epiphany of, wait, are you telling me that the brain fog that I feel at work every day is because I'm cutting my sleep short? Mm -hmm. And that's when people start experimenting with how do you feel on vacation on the weekend? And so that's a pretty big experiment for people, like just getting that extra sleep and asking themselves, oh, how does that play a role in the type of sleep that I'm getting? And so I wondered what type of research and development went into making that technology to track our sleep and obviously do more than what our phones can do? There is so much that goes into it. I think when we first started studying sleep, we just being science in general, most people thought, wow, like the only way that we're ever going to be able to do this is in a sleep lab. Right. And people are going to have to have all of this equipment hooked up to them. They're going to look like a miniature zombie science experiment. (laughs) But what we've learned over time is that, well, it's great to go into a sleep lab, that only gives you a tiny snapshot of your sleep. You're uncomfortable. You, you, you yeah. can't sleep naturally. Not in your normal and environment. No, you're yeah. not with your pillows, your blankets, your partner, your noise canceling headphones or your dog in the corner, whatever the natural elements are. Yeah. And so what's really gone into the aura ring is figuring out exactly which signals are going to be the most effective. You know, your temperature, your movement, 
uh, heart rate, respiration rate, so all of this power, and then figuring out what form factor is gonna be the most comfortable to sleep in. So you're not tightening a strap, you're not having to charge a battery every day. So there's been a lot of research going into what's the most comfortable form factor for somebody to wear this for years and discover patterns about their sleep. And then how many signals can we pack into this tiny little wedding band of a ring? And so, so much of what you get from a sleep lab, you also get in the aura ring. And a lot of our research and development has been comparing the data that we get from the ring and the granularity to the sleep lab gold standard, which is the PSG study. And that's when you got something taped to your nose, to your eyelids, everything else. So all of our validation resources are against that gold standard. We're trying to make sure that we can deliver algorithms that can analyze your sleep without all that equipment so that you're sleeping naturally. Yeah. I feel like that makes a huge difference. <laughs> it totally does. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, throw out all that old research. <laughs> like, it's not useful. Like it's good. <laughs> But a lot of people might go into a sleep lab and have an atypical night of sleep. And it might right. turn out, like I know I discovered when my partner and I got rings, that mm, my beloved partner happens to toss and turn in the night. Mm. We call him a rotisserie chicken. And it is actually <laughs> his rotisserie night, which we can see in his data, that impacts me the most. I actually, on wow. my own, when I travel for work, am like a nine hour of sleep, 90 <laughs> sleep score kind of girl. But that's much more empowering than if I had gone into a sleep lab and they would have said, your sleep looks great. Well, right. that wasn't actually the research tool that I needed personally to get better sleep in my life. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Just before the break, it stuck with me that Caroline shared how advancements in tech have helped her to hone in on her personal needs and empower her to know when her sleep is off and what environment she thrives in, which a lab setting just wouldn't be able to offer. And as we think more about the tools provided to help us trust and listen to our bodies when our healthcare system might not, education and information sharing through technology seems even more vital. Dr. Netta had this to add on the benefits of studying sleep outside of labs. Historical research in sleep has been either in sleep labs, which is very outside of our normal environment, or based on subjective sleep questionnaires, mm. which is also subjective and not right. always accurate. So now looking at our members and their sleep, we can see it varies for individuals and for different populations and, and seasons and different reproductive stages. We see how sleep varies across the menstrual cycles because Hormones 
not only affect your uterus and your ovaries, they affect every single aspect of your body, including how you sleep. It's a very powerful lens. And then starting to tie these together, you know, we know it's related to everything. It's the foundation of every piece of our health and fertility as well. And vice versa, how fertility affects. Yeah, lots to think about, but it's so cool to be able to track it all. I mean, you brought up the UCSD um, partnership, but I wondered any other medical institutions or universities that um, Aura is partnering with to use its data in more research. Can you talk about any of that? Yeah, plenty. Back when when the pandemic started, which feels like forever ago, yeah. um, Aura launched a study with UCSF. Um, inviting people to report their symptoms and track their data. Um, and then we found that um, we can actually see changes in your data and your heart rate and your breath rate in your temperature before people start reporting symptoms of COVID. Wow. Um, and a fu- funny story with, with my, my own family, when my mother was visiting last summer, and she, she, she wasn't feeling the best, but you know, she was feeling okay. And I looked at her data and I go, oh my goodness, mom, you're not staying here tonight. We're gonna, <laughs> you're going to sleep outside the house tonight. And that night she tested negative, but I think that the day after she was already testing positive for COVID. Wow. Yeah. So I think often we, we don't feel a hundred percent or something is off but it's so typical for us to feel off because maybe we didn't sleep well and maybe we're stressed and maybe there's a lot going on in our lives yeah so being able to have this window into what is really going on inside our bodies um is such a powerful tool and and so so the um covid study with ucsf is just one example um We've had another study with UC Berkeley looking at how temperature can predict um, the LH surge that triggers ovulation. So Mm. temperature is something that has been known for over 100 years now to fluctuate across the menstrual cycles because the first part of the cycle, the follicular phase, that's when temperature is, is lower, it's dropping. And then after ovulation, temperature is increasing because of the effects of progesterone, which is a progestation hormone. So throughout the cycle, you have this cool, warm, cool, warm fluctuations of your temperature. That's been known. Mm-hmm. But can you imagine um, taking your temperature every single day to track your cycle? That is <laughs> no. such a pain. And you need to wake up at 5 a.m. before you move. That's the first thing you have to do. And having this tool that can track your temperature continuously, automatically, passively. Like you don't need to do anything. Um, so our partners at UC Berkeley use the Aura Ring to track temperature of, of women across their menstrual cycles. And they were able to predict um, in 100% of the participants when they will ovulate or when they will have an LH surge that triggers ovulation um, several days in advance, which is mind-blowing because the existing methods to track ovulation are either right before when you have these at-home, you know, urine kits that tell you you're going to ovulate like now or or in the next day um, where your fertile window is actually five or six days. So 
being able to predict when this happens several days in advance, whether if your goal is to conceive or to avoid conception, yeah, is a really powerful tool in your hands. Definitely. I know we're focusing on menstruation, but is there any intention to maybe look into, or maybe you're already doing it, is there any intention to look into menopause tracking and post-menstruation cycle effects on women? Yes, definitely. We are uh, doing research and interested in continuing doing research across the board, across the reproductive life stages. Um, and there are some papers, really exciting uh, findings that are coming out soon. So hopefully we'll be able to talk about those in the future. But, you, you know, I think um, menopause is, is, you know, similarly such an underserved area where it, it's something that often creeps up in women because it's, it's taboo to talk about right. because women's um, complaints about pains or symptoms or discomforts are being dismissed or assigned to mental problems. So there is so much that we need to still uncover in this space um, of menopause, perimenopause, and this transition. And sleep is foundational. It's one of the first things that we see change is sleep architecture in this transition to perimenopause and menopause. Part of the reason Neda and I really love working on reproductive health is the women in our member base, they are writing in, they are calling in, they are screenshotting their data. And so even though the pace of science takes a little bit longer, like formal papers, formal data sets, the citizen science element, it's already there. We already have women writing in and saying, I wanted you to know my menstrual cycle used to be normal and I think I'm perimenopausal now and I can see my temperature degrading. You guys need to make a feature that does X, Y, Z. Like it's really incredible how much we hear directly from women about their personal experiences. So I think we're going to start seeing the conversation leak out more into natural channels like Reddit, Facebook, where people are sharing these patterns and saying, I know Aura hasn't released a feature that does X, Y, Z, but here's my experience and here's what it looks like. So people have already shown us what it looks like if they're going through IVF treatment, if they got diagnosed for PCOS, if they've had a miscarriage. And so those types of patterns, they feel novel and super new and who knows what the archetype is for them right now, but they're going to be commonplace in the next few years as we we really nail what this looks like. And we absolutely love hearing from our members. We we learn so much from our members from how people use the ring, the, the discoveries that they're making. We all can relate to this from different perspectives. Personally, I became an Aura member when I was pregnant with my second daughter, and it was a high-risk pregnancy. And I was so... You know, the more doctor's appointments you have, the more anxious you are about the in-between. So even though I saw doctors two or three times a week, I was still so concerned about what's happening in my body. How do I know if things are are spiraling out of control? So I started wearing the ring to track my temperature and heart rate for this reassurance of, you know, it wasn't a feature in the app that, that would reassure me, but it was for me just seeing my data and what is normal for me and if something is off is just so powerful um 
and, and, and that's what brought me to Laura um, to, <laughs> to learn more and to help other women make these discoveries. So yeah, we love, love, love hearing from our members and having these conversations. Absolutely. And we talk a lot about, you know, patient advocacy and how, what, how to show up at a doctor and like what a great tool to have <laughs> to take with you to your doctor's office to be like, here's, here's what I'm noticing and here's, you know, the stats to back it up. My perspective of my, my doctor's visits and how we interact with our healthcare providers is um, they are experts in medicine. I mean, they you know learned years and years and years about medicine. And we are experts in our bodies, and we should acknowledge that, and we should further develop that expertise. So my doctor has you know, a very, very limited time window. Um, to have a conversation with me and their solutions are based on, you know, what they've learned in med school and often are based on, you know, population average. But if I say, this is, I'm an expert in me, you're an expert in medicine, we're having this conversation and we're a team and we're figuring out solutions together. Um, and I'm an expert because, you know, I have my ring and <laughs> yeah. I've spent years learning about myself and my body. So yeah. having this conversations with healthcare providers can bring much more tailored solutions for, for my needs and my body's needs. Absolutely. Before we wrap up, wanted to know from each of you, what can we look forward to? I feel like they have a lot to look forward to, but what can we look forward to in the future of health tech as it continues to expand and evolve and as we can track more things? Oh my gosh, there's an endless number of things that I feel like we can look forward to, but I think one of the things that we're consistently upgrading um, at Aura is we're making the insights more and more personal. Um, so for example, we have a feature that's called tags and you can give us a little bit of information, say, you know, I had coffee today or I didn't. I used these blue light blocking glasses or I didn't. And so I would say the text just keeps getting more and more personal so that people can figure yeah. out like where the heck should I be spending my time? Should I be sucking down turmeric pills, these matcha lattes, <laughs> these blue light blocking glasses, is this the cold showers or the hot showers? Like there's so much health advice out there that just cutting through the noise and empowering you to run those experiments that tech is going to just keep getting better and better and better. So I would say Aura has a deep emphasis on long-term health patterns because that's the scale that health actually happens at. So I would keep an eye out for that tech getting better, kind of spotting patterns and going that next level of like, whoa, Taylor, the mocha, not okay. The matcha, yes, so that you can really get granular about your health. And then the other thing that I would add is health becoming a daily practice. It's not just that. You know, you wait until you don't feel well and then you check your temperature and like, oh, okay, I have fever. Now I need to go to the doctor or now I need to do all of these things. But health care becoming like you caring for your health as a daily practice and know, getting to know yourself and identifying these patterns of when your body's a little off and maybe starting to being able to say, oh, this is because I didn't sleep well and this is because I just ovulated. And this is because I worked out a little bit too hard um, and taking that into, you know, your, your daily routines. That's, that's also in the future, in the present. Yeah. Proactive, proactive help. Yes. 
Yeah. Amazing. Is there anything else that we maybe didn't touch on that either of you want to share that we didn't get into? We're always talking about specifically with reproductive health and pregnancy, mm-hmm. that there are so many apps out there that are lemon apps. And what we mean by that is they will tell you your baby is the size of a lemon. They're the size oh, right. of a watermelon. They're an XYZ. But an opportunity that we really see, and Netta talks about it with her personal experiences, okay, what is literally happening in your body as the mother who is going through all of these physiological changes so yeah. that's something that we'd like to see a huge change in and where we see a big opportunity is that we can do better than your baby is a lemon and those yep. tools already exist. So hoping to see a lot of movement there over the next few years. Definitely. Yeah, I think you hit it on the nose at the beginning, Caroline, when you said, you know, with sexual education stops here. And I think it's just you can see in so many parts of our lives where the education just stopped and we just started talking about lemons. And that doesn't really serve anybody um, as you try to grow a family, you know, learn more about your body. So amazing to see that education can, you know, follow you around and help. Thank goodness. We learn in in school about pregnancy prevention we don't learn about fertility awareness right and we don't learn about pregnancy we don't learn about menopause until we're in the midst of it right i have a phd study doing research in reproductive health and i'm still learning new things every single day so sex that is something that we definitely need to spend more time learning and talking about and breaking those taboos one of the things that we talk about all the time taylor is like Women's health, it's not just reproductive health features, it's the entire product. So one of the beautiful elements of having a team of women working on this, scientists, product managers, designers, engineers, is that we're not only building these specific classic reproductive health features, but we're ensuring that the entire product is accurate for women. And -hmm. women's bodies change so much that it's not an easy job to make sure that all of that is encompassed. But it does mean that we're looking outside of the traditional, when am I bleeding style features to, is your readiness accurate? Are metrics that's kind of like your body check engine light? Are the sleep mm-hmm. metrics the same? And that also means making sure that the same things that women might want to track, different types of pain. We might have 40 different types of migraines where maybe some of our male members are like, headaches, that's all I need. <laughs> You know, hot flashes, sure, but there's also, you know, people experience, for example, this pain called metal schmerz, which is the release of uh, an egg. And some people can actually feel that pain. Who knew that that might be an element that's so complex that you might want to track in the context of your larger health picture? So we're working on accuracy and all of the things that you never knew that you might want to know and track. Metal schmerz, the word of the day. (laughs) I know. I'm like, wow. I, I mean, that feeling, I can't even imagine. <laughs> Some women are so, so deeply in tune with their bodies that they're like, wait, are you telling me that that feeling that I have felt for my entire life is real and it's valid and I could track it? Yes, we've yes. got you. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Taylor, another thing that we experience a lot is a lot of women sign up for our period prediction feature because they're looking for their period to get predicted. And then we show them, actually, you're on hormonal birth control and you don't have a natural temperature pattern. Did you ever know which hormone your birth control might be based off of? One that cools you down, one that heats you up. 
does it have a fake bleeding? And so we see a lot of aha moments across the board, which are very, very necessary. Doing the work our health teacher should have. (laughs) (laughs) Great. (laughs) They covered periods. They nailed that. They covered periods. They just closed the books and were like, it's time for time for spring break. Exactly. On today's show, you heard me in conversation with Netta Gottlieb and Caroline Kreider from Aura. This episode was scripted and edited in part by Sarah Gabrielli and produced by Jen Snyder, Abby Stone, and myself, Taylor Camille, along with many other hands and brains at Well and Good. As always, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share. Our theme music was created by Madeline Lakomsky and Matt DiDomenico, and our show art was designed by Jenna Gibson and Karina Masonette.